0: Hello, this is George Roberts, and you're listening to The First Deal Show.
1: Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. It's your host here, Caroline with aK with a very special guest. Today we have on the show a principal syndicator um, at Horizon Multifamily, a podcaster at the Foundry where leaders are forged, and owner at the Walnut Grove homes with George Roberts. So welcome George.
0: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Caroline.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited that you made the time and are spending it here with me for a little bit so I can get to know you and the 402 gets to know you too. So the way that this show goes is we start off with the Kiss Me segment and you're going to tell us a little bit about yourself um, before we get into your first deal. So the first question here is what was the first album you purchased?
0: So... I did a little thinking on this, and the first one that I remember was something like Led Zeppelin II, but I think that before that I had a 45 of the cars. So for some of your audience that may have never had a turntable, uh, you could have your long playing records would be 33 and a third, and then you'd get those singles on the 45.
1: Are you talking about a vinyl record?
0: Yes i had a vinyl record at well i had many vinyl records at one point but i think that my first uh actual recording was something like that because i remember playing it on 33 and uh if if you remember i'm trying to think what what tune it was it was one of their hits uh let the good times roll and it sounded so funny on 33. (laughs)
1: Wow, you know what's crazy? I was just talking to someone this morning or yesterday, and I was at, I was saying, I want to get someone on the show that like their first album was a vinyl record,
0: oh, wow. So yeah, I, I could tell you a lot about vinyl. i I had every blues record you could imagine on vinyl, and I got rid of them thinking that everything was going to go on CD within a year, And I was so mistaken. A lot of that great stuff I had, stuff like Helen Wolf and Johnny Lee Hooker. Uh, some of that made it to CD, but I don't think it all made it.
1: Oh, oh, George, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Because uh, now they're like going backwards, right? They're trying to turn everything that's digital into vinyl. and Wow. That's cool. That's really something cool. Something
0: lost, something gained.
1: Yeah. Um, great. So what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate?
0: For me, it was finding the right partners. Once I found the right partners... Everything was a whole lot easier, and I learned a whole lot about networking along the way, finding those great partners. For me, the game is multifamily, and I found that it's very valuable to go even to these single-family meetups because you meet a whole lot of tired landlords, and you also meet people who are a little newer. They may have one deal, or maybe they haven't done their first deal yet, and uh, they're totally open. They're thinking like, whoa, this sounds like a better way to go. So... Definitely cast a wide net, find the right partners, and things get a whole lot easier.
1: Oh, that's great. And so what's something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about?
0: So I love to guild. I used to have it up on my Instagram uh, website. And uh, for those of you who don't know, this is the uh, ancient medieval art of taking gold leaf and putting it on more ordinary objects. And you can buy these basic wood moldings from amazon.com and there's a long long process you go through and at the end it's got to be smoother than an auto body and uh there's there's one last layer that you lay down and then the gold sticks you burnish it and it's an amazing presentation you do it right it looks almost like solid gold
1: wow that's so cool
0: yeah so i'm a big fan of the rococo period The idea would be to have an entire room that looks worthy of Marie Antoinette.
1: Wow, I love it. And um, so finally, what is your favorite quote?
0: So my favorite quote comes from the General Hannibal, Hannibal of Carthage fame. So uh, the quote comes to us through Latin, which of course is uh, the language of his avowed enemies, the Romans. And it goes something like this which means I shall find the path. If no pathway exists, I shall blaze the trail.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: So this is the guy who brought uh, African elephants uh, to Spain. Uh, he crossed the Pyrenees and the Alps. So he was somebody who was very skilled at both finding as well as making trails.
1: Yeah. And so you're blazing some trails to yourself, sir.
0: Yes, love it. Uh, Multifamily, I think, is the way to blaze trails these days. Commercial real estate in general, I think, is an amazing place to be. I mean, you've got all of the advantages of real estate and then you've got this great big lever, which I call the economies of scale.
1: (laughs) Yeah, love it. Um, So tell us, George, where are you based and where do you mostly invest?
0: So, I'm based in Southeast Michigan, and that's where I've got my construction company. We're doing some residential construction, but all of my investments are more out towards the Sun Belt. Uh, I'm invested in East Tennessee. That was my first syndication. And I've also got my first uh, joint venture deal in the apartment space that was in Orlando. Uh, I'm focused on Orlando, looking for more acquisitions out there, but wherever I can find a great partner or wherever I can co GP, uh, or GP, I'm happy to do it. But again, uh, really focused on that Sun Belt, particularly. And that's what you see behind me usually I have a background. But today, uh, you can see n- not one but uh, two of my Orlando maps. So that's uh, one of my tips. If you're an out of state investor, you know, you just got to immerse yourself.
1: Yeah, wow. That's really cool. I actually invest in the northwest coast of Florida on the Panhandle. I don't have a map of Okaloosa County. Cool. So now that, you know, you're a little bit more comfortable, we've gotten to know you a little bit better. Tell us what was your first deal?
0: Okay. Well, the deal in Orlando was the first. It was a pretty fascinating deal. Uh, take you back to the pandemic time frame. Everybody's frightened. Nobody has any idea how long this is going to go on. Of course, it is still going on, but in a much attenuated fashion. Uh, we're in... Well, let's see. We closed in August. So I think it was back to June of 2020. And there were a couple of deals that had fallen through. The seller is really exhausted, just looking for somebody who can close. Uh, The broker on the deal, this was the smallest deal that he had that year. So I don't think he was pushing it too hard. He was doing some huge stuff, huge stuff. I think he came from a hedge fund and uh, just dove right into commercial real estate and was doing some really big things. So there was this 14 unit and uh, my friend and business partner, Mark Prokop found it, looked into it and uh, did the negotiations for this and Uh, We were told that, you know, you got to be like a a bit higher, like 850. You know, it's not going to do anything less than 850. Well, we decided we're going to lowball it. We're going to put it in 800. And lo and behold, it was accepted. So that deal fatigue really came in handy. Uh, COVID did give us a bit of a discount. And it was a truly amazing deal because when we looked into it, uh, the first thing we noticed is that, wow, this is next to a bad area. If you are in Florida, if you know central Florida, you might know the Orange Blossom Trail. It goes all the way from Miami to let's see, Atlanta, Georgia, I believe. And uh, there are parts of it, like any road, that are pretty rough. But uh, we also noticed that all the apartments around us had been successfully repositioned. So right at the moment we're about to kill it and say, hey, this is no good. We realized, hey, the reason we're able to get into this deal and get into it so cheap is that it's too small for the big fish to pluck and at the same time we got the right time frame so everything just conspired to give us a a great uh, deal on the way in
1: so how many doors was it
0: so it was uh 13 technically there was a 14th unit uh, but that was in bad shape and just not livable if uh, anybody from the city had come through probably would have found a lot of reasons that there shouldn't be somebody living in there and it was a lot of work to get it up to 14 but so technically 14, uh, sold as a 13, and got it up and running now.
1: Uh, a year and a half later?
0: Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a long road. So the first thing I'll tell you, it was uh, it was marketed as with a new roof. So <laughs> funny thing was, if you look at the pictures, just literally look at the provided pictures, you'd see that it was not a new roof. <laughs> uh, we got out there, we confirmed that indeed not a new roof and uh, we had to really basically redo everything uh, apart from the cinder block so it was a very very heavy reposition and a lot of the repositioning had to do with uh, more structural things like the roof and a lot of the electrical electrical bus Uh, actually i think all the electrical buses except for maybe one had to go so a lot, a lot of work, but like we've got... Was
1: aluminum or why did you have to redo it? Oh,
0: well, let's see. I think that uh, from overuse and again, this is like a 1970s building that I think that it just was not up to snuff in, in one way or the other. So we had to actually upgrade that before we could do certain of our renovations.
1: Wow. And was it vacant when you guys purchased it?
0: No. Funny thing is that it was fully occupied, as I remember, but uh, there was a major rainstorm, which if you're familiar, I know you are familiar with Central Florida, uh, that, you know, those rainstorms tear through every day. It seems like every afternoon uh, it just it turns into like a mini hurricane. And uh, the the roof had gotten so bad that it had actually leaked. So we're in due diligence. We all flew down there. We're uh, all from Michigan. So we flew down there and. Uh, you know, he's trying to show us the west end of the building and um, Mark goes over to the east side and he notices somebody's doors open. So he starts talking, you know, and finds out that the roof is leaking and that tenant uh, literally uh, self evicted. And there were a couple others that were impacted, but he was uh, primarily impacted uh, being on the second floor right under the roof. Uh, yeah, exactly. So there's two sides to every story. I mean, I really hate the slum lords, And, and I think that they're not, let's just say they're not doing it right, to put it mildly. Uh, but then again, obviously, uh, I don't think we're going to have a single tenant or maybe just one tenant who can afford the new rent. So anyway, <laughs> I, I feel bad for the slumlords. And I also feel bad for all the people who have to get kicked out because that's just the nature of the game. But I do love the repositioning game because I feel that if there, if it weren't for people like me who are coming in and repositioning these buildings, everything would be rubble within 20 or 30 years. So it's gotta be done. And it's, it's sad. There's a lot of dislocation that goes along with it.
1: Right. So then how have you guys, because you said it was a really big reconstruction or rehab job. So how have you been managing with like the turnover? Do you have to ask the tenants to leave or are they just you know, leaving because they know that you guys are fixing it up or
0: what's been the right. So for us, uh, one of the best things about this deal was the fact that everybody was month to month. That is very common. Mom and pop, slumlord. uh, I don't mean to put the two together because they're often very different uh, types of people. Your mom and pop often cares a great deal about the tenants, sometimes too much to run it like a business, Uh, but you you often see those uh, month to month leases. And that was perfect. So I said, boom, we can we can execute on this. So I think that one of the things I sort of glossed over is that when you uh, consider a heavy reposition like this, you got to know your limits. Right. So I may be in construction, but I'm in Southeast Michigan and I am not going to run a job like this. Mark Prokop has been in construction his whole life. He's taken on everything from rehab jobs, flips to entire subdivisions. So having him uh, on the job on the team and willing to move down there and run the job was instrumental. So, uh, you know, I would I wouldn't tell people to shy away from doing a heavy position. But again, make sure that you have somebody who's ready, willing and able to do the job.
1: And so are all of the all 14 units currently leased out?
0: Uh, well, again, we're doing, we're going through as quickly as we can, uh, from one into the other. So there are going to be, uh, several units that are not leased right now. I don't, I don't have the exact stats, but we are, I think, mainly unoccupied at the moment because we're in the final swing. Uh, we done all the structural things. Certainly we weren't going to go and touch any of the units until we fixed that roof. So we fixed the roof. Uh, we fixed the outside, uh, put in, you know, some new windows, the sort of things that can't get ruined. Uh, very easily and uh now we're in the swing where we're just uh literally going end to end and again let's see what has been 15 16 months right now uh into this project and we're about to have everything rented up i'd say hopefully within a couple of months but uh from the last few months where we had or actually i think we still do have one original tenant to now uh, it's, it's really been a whirlwind. Last few months, we've seen uh, more changes than just about any time frame.
1: So tell us how did you because um, I think this is the first first deal where someone's talking about syndication and not just um, doing it on their own. So can you tell us how did that how did you partner that? How did you structure that partnership? And um, how did you guys find financing for this larger project?
0: right so so this one was actually a joint venture and i think i would totally recommend if you're interested in syndication uh go for a joint venture first if you have the opportunity uh it's it's three of us uh me mark prokop and uh pablo prokop and it's a great way i think to get your feet wet you'll get used to running a larger building get used to the commercial space because everything is different right i actually work in the residential mortgage space and we can't use the same lenders. Uh, and I think right there is, is, is the first of dozens of differences, right? Different lenders, different brokers. Uh, basically, it's the same but different. Uh, so how did I find the team? Well, they sort of found me uh, at the local meetup. I met uh, Pavlo or Pav, as uh, he usually goes by. Uh, he told me that he'd help me to learn how to underwrite. And at that time, I was just interested in real estate. So I had my construction company. I helped launch that. Uh, I had been a single family landlord for quite some time, Uh, but again, not a very exciting story there. That was just my family home, which ended up being becoming like a sort of an accidental landlord can't sell it. So not much of a story there. So, I mean, I had some background in real estate, but this multifamily thing was totally new. So he said, Hey, I'll teach you how to underwrite. So I thought, well, that's perfect. So I, I bought the Michael Blanc syndicated deal analyzer. It's only like a hundred bucks and some change went through the course. I uh, started underwriting deals with him and then about six months into it, boom, we found this first deal. So yeah, finding, finding partners is a big thing. And for me, the local meetup uh, was the place to do it. And what's most amazing about where we met is now we run that meetup. So if wow. you're in southeast Michigan uh, the Macomb multifamily meetup or multifamily investor nation meetup in Macomb, Michigan, uh place to be.
1: Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. So then, you know, you mentioned that the lenders are different from residential versus commercial. So how did you guys, you found Pavlov? Is that right? Pablo. Pablo, pa- Pav. And so you and Pav team up, he teaches you how to underwrite. And then how did the financing work for this deal? So
0: this was actually seller financing and seller financing is amazing, particularly if you're dealing with sort of a mom and pop operation. Uh, First thing you got to do, just ask, right? You'll never get it if you don't ask. It's probably not the first thing to ask for. A lot of brokers, if you start saying, "Hey, uh, hey, you know anything uh, that might sell with seller financing?" or to think, "Well, you don't have any money, forget you. You're not serious." But once you establish that relationship, or once they see that you're a closer, uh, or once you get to the table, you know, definitely ask. It's definitely worthwhile. And particularly during the pandemic, it was totally worthwhile to get because there are all these reserves that we would have needed if we had a Fannie or a Freddie loan. So definitely we're very, very happy we asked. But a lot of people will say no because they don't understand. They're thinking, well, why don't I get all my money at once? Well, the reason, of course, it's three letters, I-R-S. So one of the best ways I've seen uh, this dealt with um, was from another deal I was in. My partner from Horizon, he said, well, um, why don't you talk to your CPA and see what they think? And so the seller went back to her CPA and lo and behold, she said, you know what? I think we would be interested in offering seller financing. So again, negotiating techniques, it's all about how you approach it. If you start to try to lecture people and say, you're going to get a big tax bill, they may not like that, but I love the approach of, well, why don't you talk to your CPA and see what they think?
1: Wow. Just gold bomb right there. That's all guys. (laughs) You can stop listening now because who would have thought? you just ask them the question and they do the work. Yeah. Okay. So um, you got, so then h- how did that work with the broker? Like, you know, you guys are at the negotiation table and then you're like, Hey, go talk to your CPA. And then what did the broker do? Cause.
0: Okay. Well, to be fair, this is a, this is a separate deal. Uh, so the second deal there, there was no broker involved, but, uh, but to get back to this one, Uh, I I don't know whether he was terribly interested or not. I don't remember there being much of a fuss over it. So I think he probably had some idea. And he had a super low basis. He bought this uh, during the Great Recession. So you got to figure 10 years on or so. uh, I mean, he's made quite a bit of money. Uh, I want to say that he walked out of uh, the... Uh, the signing table saying something like I tripled my money or something like that, whatever it was, but that's good though. Hey, it's great. I'm glad he made his money. I'm not here to begrudge anybody, uh, the opportunity to make it rich in America. So he got a good deal. We got a great deal and uh, everybody's happy. So wait, but I, yeah. So, So to answer your question, I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning that you're looking for seller financing as long as it's not the first thing you say out of the box.
1: Right. And then so but there was no broker in this deal. You guys found the, him the first deal there
0: was a broker, so he did have a broker on the sell side. And after we sort of established the relationship, we said we're serious about this. Uh, we put in the offer and then we did ask for seller financing. Yeah. And it, there was there was no big uh, back and forth or fight about it. Uh, we asked for some pretty good terms. And again, you know, I would say uh, my favorite book is the Bible. Ask and ye shall receive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it was suggested we ask for like, oh gosh, I'm gonna probably flub this, five percent. But I think we went for four, and we got it. And you know, again, without having to have the reserves, and having you know just a decent down payment, uh, not not too big, not too small. I think it ended up being about thirty percent. So it was within a decent range. Uh, It was all quite good in the end. And was it an interest-only loan, like the first one or two? The first year.
1: (gasps) Wow. Yeah, we thought
0: we would be done by the first year, but we are paying interest now. But it's okay. I mean, it's cash flowing decently. Uh, I mean, we more than doubled the rent uh, for our first tenant. And uh, I mean, that gives you some of the idea of the shapes of things to come. Uh, We also added some walls. So now some of those studios are actually one bedrooms. And so we really do believe that uh, we're going to be completely vindicated on this.
1: Yeah. so how much were, were the like studios renting for initially, and what are you guys capturing out the rents?
0: So I want to say that they were around uh, 600, 625, 650. I think there might have been some people paying different amounts. Uh, some of them might have been a little more or less desirable. But I think that they're going to go closer to, you know, 1,000 or 1,200.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And it's it's right by the water.
0: It is. So I might have mentioned it's Lake Tyler Manor. So uh, we do have frontage to Lake Tyler. Uh, It's a beautiful little lake. Uh, We've got our own little emotional support alligator out there. Uh, You can uh, go out on the dock. What else can you do there? Uh, I mean, that's hey, that's if you are a resident, of course. Uh, (laughs) But uh, but really, really nice area. And our neighbor, he uh, he goes out there, he rows his boat, he jet skis out there. So it's definitely a lake with some recreational potential.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, if I'm ever out there, you know, you guys should give me VIP access just for one day. Because oh, like you rowing. bet.
0: You can, you can come for VIP access anytime, Caroline. <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> wow, that's so awesome. So it sounds like 402, if you're looking for a place in Orlando, you want a <laughs> emotional alligator, maybe to row? <laughs> lake Tyler. <laughs> oh wow cool so um that's really great i it sounds like that you know there's been a lot of construction you guys are doing a lot of changes and that they're working out um with the tenants and you've just had a great opportunity there um so is there anything that or one piece of advice that you would give to the fro
0: Oh, one piece of advice i would say build your network find a great team. Build that team because uh, your team will make you smarter and they'll do things that you, uh, you can't or won't do, right? I mean, I'm not going to be there with a hard hat, uh, bossing people around all day. I've got a great W-2. I'm making a ton of money and uh, that's just not for me. So find the right team and anything is possible.
1: Wow. Awesome. So thank you so much, George, for coming out and spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. And that is all, folks. Thank you for listening or watching The First Deal Show. I'm excited for you to buy your first investment property. If this show has helped you in any way, I ask that you share it with someone.